What does it mean Messiah matters? It means apart from him we can do nothing. It means he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeshua is the only way of salvation. He is everything. We have to have the Tanakh to know the Messiah. But we have to have the Messiah to know the Tanakh. Without Messiah, we have nothing. Basically, it's all about the Messiah. It's Wednesday, July 11th, 2018. This is Messiah Matters, number 225. Birthdays, anniversaries, and holidays, oh my. My name is Caleb Hag, and with me, a man so patriotic he was photoshopped into a pair of American flag parachute pants, a Rob Vanhoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, man? That's right. I forgot about that. That's right. We did that. That was old school. That was old school. You know, I apologize to everyone. We've had, it, we were off for a week, and all of a sudden, we just were all over the place. It's like, I can't get anything together. Um, we're not broadcasting on the radio currently, and uh, that's because I screwed up. I thought I was doing everyone a great favor, um, and I was trying to get new. Um, well, I was trying to I was trying to make it so that the the people on the radio actually had better audio, and uh, of course, I di- I didn't test it first, and so the whole system basically uh, <laughs> basically crashed uh, when when uh, when I tried to start it all up. So. Give me just a second here. Let's see if we can actually get the radio going. Um, now we just have to remember that uh, people will be able to hear us even when, even when we mute stuff. Okay. Um, so let's. And it doesn't look like there it is. All right. So we are on the radio now. And hello to everyone in the radio uh, land, and also everyone in uh, YouTube land. It's great to see everybody in the chat room. We're back. We're back after a week off. Was it a good two weeks, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you do? What'd you do for the 4th, man? 4th of July. I was on Coeur d'Alene Lake, and the water was still a little bit cold for swimming, but had a big family get together. Nice. Had family in from out of town. Yeah, it was great. Very cool. How about you? That was your birthday. Um, you know, it was good. It was good. We, uh, we sat around um, a lot during the day. And then finally, we went uh, we went out to our friend's house. It was a housewarming meets Fourth uh, of July party. It was fun. It was good. We had a we had a great time, and uh, there was uh, lamb lamb ribs that were had, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was good. They came. They were cooked. They were eaten. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we had a good time. Um, so, yeah, happy 4th of July to everyone, uh, well, past 4th, 4th of July. For those who don't, I mean, obviously, Rob just said it, but uh, my birthday's on the 4th, so it's always kind of, but, but basically what happens in, in my house is it's like the week of presents, and the reason why is because it's my birthday on the 4th, it's my daughter's birthday on the 9th of July, and then on the 10th of July yesterday was my wife and my anniversary. So it's like one thing right after another. 
Um, yeah. July is like uh, a uh, happening time of the year in the Hague household. Yes, exactly. I don't know what's going on in uh, in the uh, oh. <laughs> They're trying to figure out who's running the the Tora resource account in the uh, chat room. That's that's Michael. That is Michael Gonzalez. Okay. Um, so yeah, we've we've been off for uh, two weeks, and I have uh, written uh, most of my most of my lectures for Ontario, which is good. How are you? How are you coming right along? On. Yeah, I, I got one full lecture, and then about uh, I don't know ten slides left to create of another lecture. And so that's not too bad. I'm about halfway through. Where are you at with uh, Trinidad? Doing well. Building, uh, building it. We're doing a lo our local community here is going through Galatians. So that's also helping me. I'm kind of building my strategy because when you have a limited amount of time and you want to pack a whole bunch of stuff in, that's and that's what we're kind of on the learning curve. And what I'm excited about what we're doing at Tor Resource with integrating some sort of online quizzes and right. uh, a, a go-to website for people who come to our conferences. So if you come to a live conference, you're going to have access to a website that will, uh, one, one thing will have some sort of quizzes and those quizzes might be, might only be 20 questions, might be 30, I don't know, but there'll be like multiple choice, um, true or false, maybe short answer, but there'll be quickly, you'll, you'll, You'll take it, and it's it'll design to complement the the training and the the information that's being taught in a way that helps those who participate take away a a, a stronger grasp of of uh, retention of of core core pieces, and then also and they'll get that instant feedback with the with the quiz of like oh okay, I got that one wrong why, right. and then they can go and maybe hey I. Maybe it's I disagree or maybe it's, oh, I, I didn't, that point didn't come across. But either way, it's an added measure that we're measure. learning, measure, measure. <laughs> we're looking to integrate. Right. And I think that uh, uh, our upcoming conferences this year, well, I think it, all, most if not all will have some sort of uh, website uh, complement to the live conference. Yeah, so this is actually really exciting because basically, not only can we do this for upcoming, uh, it, th this has so many different aspects to it. First of all, people can check their knowledge of what they've retained from the actual conferences, which I think is important. You know, you go to a conference, you write down a couple of notes or whatever, um, but ultimately, how much do you really retain? So um, this will be a place where you can go online and kind of quiz yourself to see, oh, yeah, that's, you know, jog your memory about some of these things and really try to solidify them. But it'll also give people an idea of what it's like to be in the online classroom right. well, at, at Torah Resource Institute. Um, so, um, but even beyond just the conferences that we're we're doing, um, we've thought about even applying this to products that we've had in the past, um, which I think would actually be really really good. Um, you know, we have study questions and whatnot for like my dad's uh, Galatians. Uh, teaching. And so, you know, all these can be integrated into this kind of, we're calling it the online learning center, the Torah Resource Online Learning Center. And uh, I think it'll be really good. I've actually created a significant amount of my questions already for one of my lectures for the online learning center. Right so, on. Yes. Um, okay. Well, you know, this is exciting. This is very exciting. Now we've, as people know, we've had 
a lot of people sign up to support this show uh, with, you know, small monthly donations of $5. And, and we just can't thank people enough for that. But we also offer people um, uh, cre- being a credited producer of this show. And um, so if people are watching this, they'll notice that uh, at the beginning of this show, our associate and executive producer credits rolled and you saw different names there. Well, those are the people who have paid for either um, associate producer and you can get a mug. We send you a mug. Um, and then you also get credited for a th- three month period. Well, depending on when you give when you purchase it. Anyway, there's all this information on the website. Um, but then also executive producers have the uh, distinct distinguished ability to write notes that we uh, play on air. And that has actually happened. Um, someone donated and wanted to become an executive producer. And our buddy Steve, Steve down at Yeshua Shirts. And he wanted to give the producership to Yeshua Shirts, which we are all for. So you will see. Hey, I, I just, I grabbed this go. mug today, Yeshua Shirts mug. Right. Um, and I didn't even know that the sponsorship was going to be talked about today. So right on. Yeah. So, um, and for those who don't know what Yeshua Shirts is, go to YeshuaShirts.com. And he didn't even ask me to say this, but. Um, the people over at Yeshua Shirts have been very kind to us and have even given discount codes to the people, to people who listen to the show. And so if you listen to, uh, Messiah Matters or to TR Radio, then just go to, um, YeshuaShirts.com and at checkout, you can put in TR Radio and I believe, I believe it's a 10% coupon. So helps with shipping and whatnot. Anyway, so, um. As an executive producer, accredited executive executive producer of the summer months of Messiah Matters, Steve uh, wrote this. Uh, wanted, uh, he says, hey, fellas, longtime listener, first time donor. Just wanted to say the show is fantastic and, and it keeps getting better. Yeah. As the one responsible for calling out the Hoff for his inexcusable <laughs> and theologically incorrect pronunciation of the word measures, and he spelled it M-A-Y, measures. And as <clears throat> Caleb already got me this, uh, yes. this morning on. Yeah. I feel personally invested in the show, but to be honest, I kind of miss it. I think we need to get a weights and measures call out on the soundboard. And uh, since... Uh, Steve was good enough to donate. We actually did uh, get him a uh, sound clip for Weights and Measures, and this is what the new sound clip sounds like. Weights and Measures. Uh, How about it? There you go. And then uh, it's about time I coughed up some dough to keep it rolling. Thanks for the hard work. Can I get a deep mischief followed by, you can Google it, which I believe we can do here. Um... Let's see here. He wants wait. Uh, he wants uh, deep mischief, followed by you can Google it. It's like Weights a menu and measures. Yeah, it is. What right? you have? So here you go. I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. You can Google it. Steve, you're You've blessed. You've been blessed. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so. We should also say that, uh, once again, uh, Bob and LaRue Miller uh, also uh, are credited uh, executive producers this uh, this uh, period, and they did not send a message this time, 
Uh, that's okay, though. So thanks to Bob and LaRue. And then our associate producer is Gary Elkins. And uh, a big thanks to Gary for, once again, uh, being an associate producer. And I think we, I think this needs a special shout-out as well. Uh, a lady named Virginia Powers. She uh, decided to start donating on a monthly basis, and she donated $36 a month, which is awesome. Ooh. Because this is that's a, old school. This is old school Rob and Caleb show. They uh, this shows that somebody's been listening for a while, um, because <laughs> because thir- thirty six is uh, the number of people that we used to say we only had thirty six listeners. And if we got a new listener, then that means that somebody else. There stopped was listening. no mystical. Uh, there was no mystical reason. It was just something that we came up with. And anyway, yeah. if you if you're out there and you're thinking about uh, and you're thinking about you know, uh, uh, becoming a, a monthly donor, uh, something clever like that will always get shout outs on, on air. So <laughs> thank you very much to everyone who um, supports us and to everyone who has donated. And it is, I have to say, producers. it is like, it's very uplifting uh, and encouraging to just, cause, cause you know, we're just, Caleb's in his little room. I'm in my little room and we, Occasionally, have had the the amazing opportunity to meet some of our our, our listeners in person, right? Um, or or through email. Um, but uh, wow, I just saw that there was like two thousand over two thousand subscribers, I think now. And I don't know how many of those, you know, I don't know what that means. How many people really listen to the whole thing? But to me, it's it's like wow, you know. And and Caleb and I, we we pray together before every every uh, Messiah Matters episode. And, um, we just are so grateful and we are encouraged and we hope to, to just continue to keep doing what we're doing and, 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 and hope that our little show here is a blessing to y'all. So Adam says, I know it was amazing for you guys to meet me. That's true. I can't wait to see Adam again. We're actually going out to see him in September <clears throat> and actually J- Jessica, who's in the chat room. We'll get to theological uh, issues here in just a second. Jessica, who's in the uh, chat room, she, uh, a couple weeks ago, actually right after our last show, two weeks ago, she asked if she could stop by the office. Now, she's in, I think, Minnesota or Wisconsin. I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry, Jessica. I'm, I'm butchering where you're from. Anyway, she was on a road trip with a friend of hers, and she called, she emailed, and she said, okay, well, I'm going to be driving by you know, Tacoma on I-5, are you guys close enough to, to jump off and say hi? Well, I think most people know that Torah Resource is really just a couple guys crammed into a converted garage. The garage has been converted into offices and uh, my father's theological library. And um, so it's always weird when people want to stop by because really like it's not like we can give you a tour. It's like, here's some books. And this is where I sit. Walk down the aisle. Yeah, walk down the aisle of the books, and here's where I sit, and there's where he sits, and that's you know. Anyway, but it was really nice to meet Jessica, and um, and it's always nice to see people. (laughs) Yeah, four dudes in a shed, (laughs) no doubt. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it's always it's always great to uh, meet people. If you would like to uh, say hi to us, you can do so, and you can do so by sending us emails. Um, oops, wrong one, but that's okay. Um, let's bring this up. Uh, well, our comment line first, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. If you don't talk to us, 
You just uh, get a message machine and then leave us a message so you can yell, shout, you know, be kind, do whatever you want. Um, and you can also send us email, seahagatorahresource.com. And let's not forget, people, that uh, Messiah Matters is brought to you by torahresource.com. Go to torahresource for all of your disciple needs. Okay. <laughs> that sounded funny. With all of that said... And now I think even though we got some uh, minor glitches in the in your uh, video every once in a while, um, we get we're getting these little flashes. Besides that, I think that we're actually broadcasting well here. Um, so uh, we've spent a lot of time now uh, trying to work all this out, and we apologize to everyone for that. But uh, now we can get to more important things, and maybe we'll run a little late today because we got started so late. And that's okay. Um, so the title of this show was Ruach, and the reason why is because we've actually gotten multiple, multiple different people uh, making comments about Ru uh, the Ruach. Ruach, for those who don't know the word, means spirit. Um, it also can mean wind, I believe. Ruach. Uh, Ruach. Ruach, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, and so let's start off with Ben Shapiro. Now, oh, yeah, yeah. The setup for this is, so, you know, I'm a, a fan of Ben Shapiro. I, I think he's a, a real clear thinker. I like how he differentiates uh, political and constitutional thought from uh, religious worlds. And um, and so he, he's always a good thinker. And I think it's good to listen to people who are articulate, whether you agree with them all the time or not, just because it helps us with our own thinking process. Anyway, so he did this special Fourth of July um, podcast last week. And somewhere along the line, I, I – didn't listen to the whole thing. It's like two hours long, but in the somewhere in the middle, I it, something caught my ear, and they were talking about what differentiates humans from animals, and this idea of God forming man and giving man life. So man is a created being, and he pulls this well in the original Hebrew card. And he's an Orthodox know, Jew. He's for those Orthodox who don't know. Jew, and he's super brilliant uh, mind. Uh, oh, he's like a savant way smarter than I ever imagined myself could ever be. Um, he but, was on Larry King when he was 12. Yeah, but but this stuck out to me, uh, this this clip. And so I thought, hey, Caleb, check this out, because we're going to uh, also read an email from Asher, um, our friend and uh, brother in Singapore, on the Ruach as well, on the use of, of Ruach Elohim or Ruach Adonai in the Tanakh. And so, okay, okay, hang on just a second. Okay, so go back to Shapiro. So anyway, uh, so I thought, uh, hey, Caleb, hey, let's listen to this. Okay, okay, hang on just a sec. So I put this uh, link in your show notes, but the link is to the entire thing. It's two hours long. We're looking at 19 seconds, and I believe the 19 seconds come somewhere between 117 and 119 yeah. um, in the in the mile mark on there. So, so about here, halfway, through, yeah, about an yeah. hour in. Here you go. Like well, but which, which I mean, even even in the language of, of the the original Hebrew language, right? When it's talking about God breathing ruach into people, uh, ruach is wind and spirit, right? So that right. the idea is that it, it is it is that life force that gives it that that's what makes us unique, right? It, it's it's that life force that makes us unique as opposed to the animals, and that comes along with certain privileges and certain responsibilities. Okay, so I think everyone heard it, but there's multiple things going on in this clip. Let's keep in mind that. Even though he's an Orthodox Jew, Shapiro is not a scholar or a theologian. But I think that you caught it best because you're the one who who said to me, "That's not what differentiates animals and right, right. man." 
And I think that that is the main point. Shapiro's off. He's not. This is not yeah. right. And th- there was just two key things that stuck out to me. And I, I, I ran it by Caleb and, I, and we said, yeah, well, let's talk about it. Not because we want to bash on him, but we're saying, look, you know, we we're all about clarity of thought and we're all about insisting on the details matter. Right. Right. <laughs> details matter because we build thought on details. It's back to the Lego. We don't want to use duplo Legos. We want to if we can use the, the fine little robotic Legos, we're going to be able to accomplish more. And so. The two points are, one, there's a conflation of Genesis chapter 2 where it says, and the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life and became a living soul or living being. And then the idea of what makes men different from animals, what makes humans different than animals. Right. And I think he's, I think he, he swung and missed on both of those counts. Now, granted— I want to give the guy the benefit of doubt. This, I doubt when these guys sat down with their cigars and started talking that they imagined that they were going to get to Genesis, the creation account, and start talking about Hebrew. So, you know, he given the opportunity to do his homework, he probably would have found this on, on his own, I'm, I'm sure. But I, w- I want to talk about this word ruach here because Shapiro says that ruach is, is the Hebrew behind this Genesis 2 verse 7. Right. And I just want, on a very, just a fact check point, no, the word ruach is not actually used in Genesis 2-7. It's just nishmat chayim, the, uh, which is usually translated the breath of life. Nishmat chayim. Um, and, and he also then goes on to say that this, this ruach, which is actually not there in 2-7, is what differentiates uh, man from beast. But if you continue on, you'll see that during the flood, um, uh, telling, you know, later in Genesis, the word ruach is used for all flesh. Right. And the, everything that's going to die, everything that has in it uh, nishmat ruach chayim, the, uh, the breath of the spirit of life will die. And that includes any humans that are not on the ark, as well as any animals that are not on the ark. So this, the presence of this ruach chayim as in Genesis, give as it's given in Genesis, is not what differentiates humans from beasts. Rather, um, it's just the simple fact that humans are clearly, from Genesis 1, made in God's image, where animals are not. So the, it might seem like we're quibbling, but it was enough of a bump, re, uh, of a record bump on a, on a person who's takes thought very specifically. And I think if he knew, if someone, if some, you know, if someone said, Hey, and mentioned this to him, he'd go back and he'd go, wow, I, I would rephrase that. I think he would be totally approachable about this. And he would agree that he parsed it at the wrong place. And so that's, that's, that's number one. But the, but the, the ultimate is that, I mean, granted, okay. Uh, he misspoke on the word being there, but the ultimate point is that that's not what rock is not what, what, uh, what sets us apart, right. right? And and not not only ruach, but even the ruach hakodesh, the Holy Spirit, is not what sets us apart. And the reason why is because unbelie- non-believers do not have the ruach hakodesh. Right. There are humans that don't have the ruach hakodesh. Right. So this, so you can see why Caleb, I, I appreciate why you titled because this is going to get into at least two other, you know, Asher and, and uh, I think a, a Janet. I think we're going to hear from. Um, on this front. And these were all individ- uh, separate inquiries. They had no knowledge of each other, obviously. Right. Okay, should we go on? Should we move yeah, to Asher? Yeah. Okay, so Asher, 
for our regular listeners, people uh, know Asher well. He uh, he writes he writes his messages on Facebook uh, often, and he I mean the guy has is very sharp, scholarly, uh, knows the languages, and he his his uh, his questions and his interactions with us are on uh, on a they're above my head a lot of the time. They're they're on they're on. Asher and Rob level as opposed to Caleb down here. It's great. Um, we we appreciate uh, 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 Asher's feedback. And oh, he's great. Yeah. So he, he writes this. He says, do you think that there are some mentions of uh, Ruach Adonai or Ruach Elohim and Penuma Theu, which is the Greek for uh, Holy Spirit, that do not necessarily or refer to the Spirit of God. Spirit, Spirit of God, God sorry. Yeah, yeah. They do not uh, necessarily refer to the third person of the Trinity. Have uh, have been listening through some systematic theology courses, specifically uh, pneumatology, which is the study of the Spirit. Sometimes these mentions of Ruach Adonai or Ruach Elohim or, and Penuma uh, Theu look like they refer to a spirit from God or God's spirit, i.e. God's mind, rather than strictly the Holy Spirit. So yeah. what do you think? I mean, this is a this is a fantastic question. Do we see anywhere in the I Tanakh? I love where... that question. I love that question. And it, it challenged me because my first response just in the in the message was, Asher, you know, I, 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 I'm not trained in systematic theology, right? I'm not... I'm not an expert in all the nuances of, of what goes on in, in those who study pneumatology. Right. Right. So I said, but my gut reaction is that I don't know that I would just generally say without doing some digging that, yeah, every time it says the spirit of God, that it must be referring to the uh, third person of Trinity. So I even called your dad and chatted with him about it too. And, and I, I really, uh, I'm a, I'm really glad Asher sent the, the email, uh, but I have changed. And I, I went back and I, I uh, emailed Asher. I said, you know, I've, as after you've asked this, I've been chewing on it and I've been um, studying the scriptures and it's like, I've come to kind of a, an opinion now that I'm really happy that I've arrived to, but it, it was only Asher's question that prodded me to even look in that direction. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> I have a couple points I wanted to make, but Caleb, before I do, do you have any initial thoughts you wanted to share or you know, I honestly, I haven't, I haven't done a study on this. You know, the first thing I wanted to do was go and actually look in the Tanakh and start looking through different instances. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have the time to do that. There was just way too much going on uh, this past week, and you know, getting ready for uh, lectures and whatnot. So I didn't actually have the ability or the time to go and and look at this. And honestly, I feel very unprepared because I I have no clue. Well, here I'll uh, then I'll share some thoughts, and then maybe you you you'll use some of those as a springboard. Sure. Where what I would say now is that every t if you if you go to the Tanakh, we're just looking at Tanakh here, and you look at and you search in Hebrew for Ruach Elohim or Ruach Yotevafe, Ruach Adonai, you will get so many hits. Right? It's the it, the Bible's not flooded with them, but there's a good peppering right throughout Tanakh sure. of this phrase um, and the question was well is each of these the third person of the Trinity I would say I'm not sure that that question is a good question to ask here's why and this is uh, not against Asher but I mean let's push this to the extreme it's like okay we're all gonna open our Bible and we're gonna every time we come to any kind of reference of God we're gonna put one two or three above the word 
Is this right. the Father? Is this the Son? Or is this the, the Ruach HaKodesh, right? right. Yep. I don't think, I, 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 the temptation, if, if allowed to, per, to continue on that trajectory of thought, it seems like that's ultimately what people would do is let's get the Bible and we'll go through and we'll just answer every one and we'll have a table. Here's all the places where it's the Father. Here's all the places. And I don't know that that's actually the Ruach HaKodesh inspiring us to do that type of task. I think that we need to keep in mind, and this was helpful talking to your dad too, progressive revelation is important. We need to understand that just because, um, you know, Isaiah says the Ruach of Adonai, right? Does that mean Isaiah has this full conception of, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in his mind? I don't know. Isaiah never tells us what he knows. We know that, he, that, that the prophets saw by faith, but we also know that they didn't see in as much detail, and we learned that from the apostolic writings. So that's one point, is that we, I think we want to guard against that every time we see a reference to God that we think, oh, this is one, two, or three, right? Because God is one, right? See, so that, so that, these, okay, these okay. all refer to God. And, but I wanted I yeah. one other point that I think is key, and this is some information we get, which I love, from the apostolic writings, and we get it from multiple witnesses. We get it from Mark, we get it from Luke, we get it from Hebrews, and we get it from Peter and Paul to Timothy. So that's at least five witnesses, five distinct witnesses. Now, if you said Hebrews is written by Paul, then or maybe you'd say, okay, well, it's four witnesses. But they, what's unique here is that in each of these books, and I'll just quickly go through this, in Mark chapter 12, Yeshua says, David himself said, by the Holy Spirit, and then quotes Psalm 110. So even though the Holy Spirit is not mentioned in the actual written text, Yeshua teaches us that David is speaking by the whole by the Holy Spirit. Then in in Acts one and in Acts four, Luke tells us of them uh, just like the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas. In Acts four, by the Holy Spirit said through David. So David is when David gives a psalm, it's said to be that's the Holy Spirit. In the book of Hebrews, it says the Holy Spirit is teaching through the design of the Mishkan. So when we read the Exodus and we read the design of the, the tabernacle, that's the according to Hebrews, that's the Holy Spirit teaching us something right. about the nature of, of God and the nature of God's holiness and his, his inaccessibility um, to, to mortal men. And then, of course, in Peter, he talks about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the spirit of Messiah was indicating the sufferings that would come. And then in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed, right? So I think our pneumatology, if you will, our, our conception of what it means, what is Ruach HaKodesh, and how do we read the scriptures, and do we find little words, oh, that's number three right there. It seems that the apostolic writings are saying very strongly that it's the Ruach HaKodesh that has actually inspired the men to write these words. So the Ruach HaKodesh is behind the, all of the scripture. And so to try to say, oh no, here, this specific thing must be the third person, the Trinity being talked about. Um, I don't know that that is a helpful differentiation to, to insist upon, or so, if it's even accurate, or how we would even uh, know. So going sure. back going back to your first 
you know, your first point. Speaking to my father about, you know, Yeshua in the Tanakh, and, uh, you know, I, I made the comment at one point, uh, this is a month or two ago, I said, you know, well, we know that the Holy Spirit was in the burning bush. You know, that was the Holy Spirit. He said, well, no. And that kind of shocked me. He said, no, that was Yeshua. That was the Father. And that was the Spirit. You can't right. separate, you can't separate, you can't separate Yeshua from the Spirit or from the Father. I mean, we do in terms of personhood in that Yeshua died on the cross, the fa Father didn't. But the, the um, point is, is that he is the fullness of deity. He's the fullness of deity. Yeshua is the fullness of deity. This is what the scripture says. Or the fullness of deity dwells right. in him. Right. So, um, you know, it's, in some way we have to be able to look at any time in the scripture where it says Holy Spirit. Well, it's Yeshua's spirit and it's the Father's spirit. Right? The scripture is clear about that. That the spirit is both Yeshua's and it's the Father's. The Holy Spirit, and so we see, and yet, it, and yet, we see personal pronouns given to the Holy Spirit. Exactly. So, to, I think, I think you're right. I think to try to disassociate one from the other, in in you know, to to say, oh, this is the Holy Spirit, but it's not Yeshua or the Father. I don't even think that that's something that we can do. Right, you, and that's the, that's the one thing that your dad is always good to bring up is like you know the the apostles use the word mysterion. There's a mis there's there's right. a mystery here. And we can't pretend, I mean, to, if we can put everything under the microscope of the scientists and the engineers and map everything out exactly like the way the world is, and that's what the, that's what the you know, the Kabbalists of Sfat, you know, that's what Isaac Luria tried to do, was to right. create, here's a map of the universe, and this is, this is how you relate with God, and this is how God relates with the universe uh, on these specific, like there's mechanics like there's actually a mechanics to right. the Holy Spirit. And and what this is, is is actually no, no, there is stuff that, and this is something that I think any of us who are seeking to be a disciple of Yeshua, to seeking to, to grow and be shaped by our tradition. And what I mean by our tradition is by our commitment to the canonical scriptures, that they're sacred, that they're God-inspired, and that we have new creation in Messiah's resurrection, but we're still trying to live in this crazy fallen world, we all, at some point or another, if we're sober-minded, are confronted with the weight and the gravity of a couple things. One is just the, the utter beauty of God's creation in its natural, you know, like talking about like the visit to Mount Rainier or, or to see the beautiful stars and, and I mean, just, uh, you know, sunsets that are just glorious, right? I mean, that things like that, and at the same time, the 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 suffering and sin that is that has infected the creation and the weight of of that. And then in our time, with the internet and just the onslaught of information, right. most of most of which you have no use for or are able to do anything about, but yet can have emotionally weighty consequences for your your for your soul. I mean, we, we have to bear all that. And it's, and in as much as we're seeking to follow Yeshua, we are confronted with our, our personal inability to understand things we would like to understand. Right. Well, see, that's why Yeshua said it's the narrow, it's a narrow path, right? It's not easy to, to follow him. We get refined. We go through that furnace 
of the wilderness, but he is faithful and he, he, he takes care of us. He provides for us along the path. You know, there are two, there's a lot of different mysteries that we have in our, in the way that we, in our faith walk, right? But I think that the two main mysteries, in my opinion, are what we're talking about right now, which is the relationship of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And um, this is not something that has, you know, that's like a new conversation. And people in the Hebrew roots and, the, and Messianic movement, some of the people who are, you know, people who are giving up on the word Trinity or giving up on the theology of the Trinity in general. And I went through this, right? I mean, I think people who have listened to this show for the past five years remember when I was having a very difficult time trying to, do I like the word, you know, do I like the theology of the Trinity? Is this really what's going on? I think we all kind of struggle with this because it's something that I don't think and we minds, should. We yeah. should. Right. I don't think God wants us to worship in spirit and in truth. And if we're, if, if we're struggling with something, that's part of our struggle. That's just the reality. We're struggling with it. It's okay. It's not the end of the world, you know. Well, and but the point is, is that the reason, you know, the reason that this has been a debate for so long, you know, since Yeshua was on earth is because the scripture uh, says very specific things that are hard for us as humans to, to reconcile. It is a mystery. And that's the that's the problem. We as humans want to figure out we want all of our well, especially in, in Western culture, we want all the ducks in a row, right? We want to be able to explain everything. The other big in my opinion, the other uh, really big unanswerable is the idea of predestination. And this, take this outside of the idea of election, okay? Uh, you know, everyone who listens to this show knows that Rob and I hold to the doctrines of grace, also known as Calvinism. Take that out for a few seconds. Predestination is certainly talked about within the scriptures, right? I mean, Romans 8, tw- well, uh, 20, even in, 28 in the 30. Torah. Right. Right. Uh, him but, alone of all have I known. That's right. God choosing Abraham. Abraham didn't, there's no world where Abraham said, sorry, nah, I'm going to stay in a word. <laughs> so so I, per, I personally don't believe that God is the author of sin. I, I believe that we as humans are responsible for our sin. Yeah, now, the Bible says that. Absolutely. And the Bible says it. And so the, the question is, is how do we reconcile the idea that, that everything's predestined and even if you don't like the word predestined, which is a biblical term, even if you don't like the word predestined, what about foreknown? Let's take the Arminian uh, wording, right? That God has foreknown everything. Well, if it's really foreknown, can we actually change it? In other words, if if God knows that I'm going to, you know, uh, drop the drop the cup of water at this point in time, is there any way? If He really and truly knows, is there any way that I cannot drop that water? And you know, this is. This is predestination, and so how how is predestination and everything and God being fully omniscient? How is that reconciled with the idea that we are sinners? See, so I mean, the point is is that these are two very big questions, and unfortunately, at some point, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, whether you're on the aisle uh, the side of the aisle. Of there, I believe in the Trinity, and I believe that this doctrine is true. Or you're on the other, totally opposite side, where you know somebody commented this morning on on one of our videos that uh, you know Yeshua is just a man. He's just a, a man that's the intercessor between us and God. Well, if that's the case, then you have a lot of mystery that also has to go on, right? When the talking, you know, when looking at the Bible, and the same with the Arminian versus Calvinistic debate. Um, right, right. Like how how could die, how could Yeshua die for more than one person's sin? Right. 
Though even if he if he was just a let's say he's just human, how's he worshipped? And then, How, how's he worshipped in right, Isaiah? Yeah. <laughs> he, he he can die for one other person's sin, right? If he's let's say you know how many lives, right? How can his life be worth more than a life, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, these are these are the kind of things that we could continue to talk about time and time. And we do. Right. We've talked about Trinity. We've talked about the the person. Actually, my father in Ontario, this is going to be really good. And uh, just a, 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 for FYI, for our supporters on the supporters page, uh, Messiah Matters More, we're going to uh, be posting all of my dad's and my and Rob's lectures, my dad and I in Ontario and then. Rob in Trinidad. Rob's teaching on Galatians. I'm teaching on uh, divine election and uh, irresistible grace. And then my father is teaching on pneumatology, actually, and the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit and all sorts of stuff. So these are going to be uh, really good. I, I think that they'll help in these, you know, navigate these these conversations a little bit. Um Anyway, so these are things that we could continue to keep coming back to. Let's move on. We have another uh, another uh, comment that someone gave on on the Ruach. Uh, and who was this by? I forgot to put a name here, so I apologize. I want to say it was Janet, but I didn't Yeah, maybe you're right. Curious about your thoughts on Numbers 11, when the children of Israel were complaining about not having meat to eat. In verse 16 and 17, NASB the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and their officers, and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the, and I will take of the spirit who is upon you and will put him upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you shall not bear it all alone." End quote from the Bible, and this is the rest of this person's comment. I believe it. I think you're right. I think it's Janet. I've always thought this was a good example to show that the Holy Spirit was given long before Pentecost. Um, initial thoughts? Well, yeah. I mean, yes. This is a limited. This is a limited gifting of God's Spirit. I, I would. I would just want to qualify that. I think I was just looking towards the end. Doesn't he say, would that all people? Um, I'm wondering if it's more of a, the spirit of authority. It's verse, I, I, uh, the verse I was thinking about was verse 29. Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? It says, would that all uh, of kol am Adonai nevi'im would that all the the um of Yodhevave, all the people of the Lord be prophets and may uh, and et Rucho Alehim and that Yodhevave would give his ruach upon all of them. So the idea is this is just a limited expression for the sake of authority, for the sake of guiding and shepherding God's people. But what Moses says, why are you jet why what are you even worried about here? Because Ultimately, the, God's purpose is that all his people have, the, have his spirit. Um, so I think that that is a, a, a little key in the text of Numbers 11 itself that shows that this is some sort of, it's a good that what's happening. People are misinterpreting what's happening. And Moses says that this is just a limited 
um, expression. But also, this is a, gets back to Asher's point when you know you start looking at Ruach Elohim, Ruach Adonai. Sometimes God will pull, give it and He'll take it away. But the key with Yeshua, remember, it says, "Upon whom I think it's John the Baptist says, upon whom the Spirit comes and He doesn't take it away, that it remains." Right. That the that with Yeshua, Yeshua came and the Ruach remained on him. And I think that that's a, a distinction there. And then, of course, the giving of the Ruach at Shavuot, after, you know, that first Shavuot, after Yeshua's uh, suffering and resurrection and ascension, is that an, an equipping to now, as Yeshua tells them in advance in Acts chapter 1, you're going to be my witnesses, right? and you're going to stand for the truth of who I am. And it's going to cost you everything. And you're, it's not just for Jerusalem. It's not just for Judea. It's not just for Samaria. It's unto the ends of the world. It's a, uh, a new kind of time, right? That fullness of time had come. And now it was time for this message to go out. And the, this Ruach then is functioning in a way that is broader than it was in these limited instances Um well, like even with uh, in the book of Samuel, right? Saul, King Saul, God takes his spirit away from him. Right. Right? Yeah. So. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, I really don't have anything else to say about it. I, I, think, you're, I think you're right. I think that uh, in a way, though, what, I'm wondering, I mean, maybe that's neither here nor there. What's the point of the, of the passage? It's not necessary. I mean, obviously, it's not a highlighting of the Holy Spirit, but rather the, uh, the authority given to the elders. And, and Moses can't do it. Here. The other thing is, is plurality of leadership. <laughs> I mean, that's right. right. Mo- even from before the giving of, before Sinai, before the giving of Torah, and was it Exodus 18 in Parshat Yitro, right, where, where Jethro comes up and says, look, this isn't good, dude. You're getting exhausted. You're sitting all day, and these people come to you because they want to learn God's ways this is not going to work. Right. You need to, and he gives him wisdom and he says, God's going to, you know, bless you in this. He doesn't say that exactly in that way, but it's received as, wow, this is, this is true. That, that, okay. And here's that here. This is a good point here because we have the establishment of some sort of hierarchy. In other words, so like when I, when I look to the Torah, let's look at my personal example. I go to the scriptures. Let's say I'm reading the, the scriptures in Hebrew, and I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? Do I look at a printed edition of Tanakh? Do I look at the Leningrad Codex? Do I look at the the Masora of the Aleppo Codex? Sometimes they're they're not in exact agreement, and so it's like, well, who's the authority? Well, I right. I think the best we have is the Aleppo the Aleppo Codex, and we don't have the entirety of it, sadly, but that's our best representation. And then from there we go and we look at Dead Sea Scrolls. You look at Greek translations, Aramaic translations, and there's there's a way to do it. But there's a, a, a hierarchy involved in that. I don't just go to the King James and say, oh, well, King that's James it. said it, and that's <laughs> the end of it. But that's a different hierarchy. If someone has that hierarchy, and this comes in, someone else asked us about King James only. If, if that was, let's just explore that. For, oh, Caleb, you know, I was reading the King James Version, and Easter's actually in the Bible, because Acts chapter 12, it says Easter. And so... Done. There, there you we go. go. So... 
Okay, someone who's in that world, and that's the, that's the framework within which they're shaping their thought and their discipleship is taking place, that's a different hierarchical structure than, say, what I, uh, my interaction with the, with the Word of God is. It takes place in. So we do need hierarchy, but not all hierarchy, some hierarchies are not good and some are good. And so in this case, in Numbers 11, it says, look, there has to be a hierarchy. There's, there's a lot of people that need to be ministered to. There's a lot of people that need uh, access to the Word of God. Right. And one guy can't do it alone. Right. And so, and this parallels what Yeshua, of course, does uh, after his ascension as he pours out his Ruach and equips these few guys to go out and change the world, which is even the, a secular person can't deny the radical change that now what they package is called Christianity um, made in the, in the world in that time. And uh, so anyway. No, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay, let's move on. This uh, comes from Helen, and I believe that Helen is in the chat room. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think so. She says a comparison. Acts 8 with the belief and baptism of an of a eunuch and becoming uh, part of God's chosen. And how in Deuteronomy 23.1, a eunuch will not enter into the assembly slash congregation of the Lord. I'm trying to understand what has changed. Why is a eunuch allowed after the Messiah rose? Now, I did, so the first thing that I thought was, okay, the assembly can mean the temple, like the temple complex. Is a eunuch right. not allowed in, a, in the temple complex? But that's not true. The, the Gentiles, even Gentiles were allowed in the temple complex. And so I, as I often do, I went to the wiser of the hags and asked my dad, what do you think's going on in, Deuter in, in Acts 8 if a eunuch is not allowed in the assembly? And my dad said something very, very, very interesting. Um, he said, uh, he said, I am convinced that most of the time, 85, 90% of the time, when the word assembly is used in the Tanakh, it is talking about the authority. The 70 elders are, you know, that we just looked at, the 70 elders, they're called the assembly of, of Israel. And so I thought that was really interesting, and I started doing a word study. I dropped everything and started doing this is this is the word study I did yesterday was I looked up uh, uh, the word assembly in the Hebrew and went through and started looking at all the different times. Now, I'll give you a, a good example. I believe it's in um, Exodus 12, 6. What's happening? Um, the people are supposed to bring the Passover lamb and it's supposed to be slaughtered, right? And it says the entire assembly of Israel will slaughter it at twilight. But who's it talking about? It's not talking about all of the people in Israel. It's not saying that man, woman, and child is going to slaughter the Passover lamb. Who slaughters the Passover lamb? The priests, those who are in authority of the temple. They are, they're called the assembly of Israel in, in Exodus 12, 6. And so if you look through uh, the, the Tanakh, I think my dad's got a very good point here. I think that, and I think in this, uh, in this passage as well, and Rob, I'll kick this over to you because I think you have uh, some good thoughts on, on idolatry as well. I, and my father brought that up as well. 
But the idea that a eunuch is not allowed in the assembly means that he's not allowed to become a uh, a leader, a, a leader figure in Israel and be a part of the leadership of assembly, of the assembly. And the reason, the reason why I think goes back to why eunuchs were eunuchs in, in the ancient Near East and right. that it was tied to idolatry. Go. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's exactly right. Is that there, and uh, one commentary that I think does a good job on this is, is Jeffrey T. Gay's uh, JPS Torah commentary on Deuteronomy. But he goes in and he talks about how in ancient Near Eastern uh, type of religious worlds, cultic worship and sacrifice, there were times where or certain state officials had to actually um, castrate themselves or do some sort of emasculation as a ritual in order to qualify. Right. In other, word, uh, in other words, this was a rite of passage in other kind of cultic, idolatrous uh, worlds. So the very uh, command, and we see this with a lot of commands that, that, that God gives, are, are diametrically opposed to what is being practiced in other places, because we're, right. you know, this is different. This is not like that. And we're not going to let anybody outsider even think that this is, that we're like these others. That's one aspect. Uh, so it's, so in other words, it doesn't mean that necessarily that this is a person who uh, was just damaged by nature, you know, just by the fact of their birth or whatever, but, but could include someone who thought that they deliberately needed to do this, like in other na- worlds, uh, nations. But also, the, the, it has to do with the, pre- in terms of priesthood and leadership, like you're pointing out, we, we also want to keep in mind the same exact things. If you look through Deuteronomy, the same, and Leviticus, the same things that disqualify an animal from being acceptable on the altar are right. the things that disqualify a priest from serving as a priest. And this, and this um, emasculation is one such, uh, quote, defect or, or uh, mark against it being acceptable. And so this, this ties, so this that ties. has to do with leadership. So God, in other words, God says, offer me a tamim, you know, an, uh, an, an animal that is tam or that is, that is unblemished or has not, it's unblemished and it hasn't damaged, you know, if you're going to offer an animal, it can't be an animal that damaged another animal or something, right? It's got to be uh, what they say, tam or tamim. See, but wait, hang on, just like this, this all ties into what... The whole temple service as we know it is pointing to Yeshua, right? Life, 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 and that de- you know that life comes and not through- a, no blemish in him, no right, blemish. and that yeah. and that that tr- that life comes through the death of another, right? But we tying this in, we see that uh, that uh, uncleanness often comes is attached to death. Right, a woman has her period, and this this cycle, the egg did not become life. So it's it's a representation almost of of a loss of of death. The same when a when a man, and I'm trying to be careful because I know that we do have young people who listen. You know, when a man, uh, yeah, I think everyone knows where I'm going <laughs> with this. Right, there's life that could have been, but didn't become life, right? And th- these things make a person unclean. The priests in the in the temple had you know essentially 
when a you what happens to a eunuch is they are no longer able to produce life. In other words, they're no longer a life giver. Or, you know, they can no longer make children. And this is, I think, uh, this is one of the reasons that they would be disqualified as not only a priest but also in in uh, a judge or anything like that. And I think it also does tie into what you're talking about in in terms of paganism. You made a decision in your life. You were so wrapped up in paganism that you were willing to do something physically drastic and very painful that was going to last forever. So you're still attached to, you know, whether even if you've come to Christ now, even if you've come to the true God, even if you're worshiping with the people, there's there's these marks in your past that were tied it could, and it could have been it could have been involuntary. It could have been a slavery issue, like with the eunuch, right. eunuch, uh, the Ethiopian. Was it the Ethiopian eunuch? Am I get, I might be. No, wrong. you're right. But yeah. the idea is sometimes it's like like in Dan Book of Daniel, you right. know, those guys who were in charge of the women or Esther, you know, in charge of the women. Uh, I, I got my Daniel, and my Esther crossed <laughs> wires crossed. But the idea is some of those guys were uh, castrated because right. they, but not of their own choice. Like, but even but that, but in that case, I think that's when it goes back to life bear, bearing, right. right? In other words, at that point, you're not able to, you're not able to, uh, you can't be with a, another person and create life. That's why Isaiah 56, which is the scripture that Yeshua cites while he's knocking over those money uh, changer tables, is uh, it speaks of don't let don't let the eunuch say. God has separated me from his people, that I'm I'm a dry tree. And he says, no, you their, their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for our peop- all people. So he talks about the, the foreigner generally who attaches himself and to keep the Shabbat and holds fast to my covenant, but also the eunuch is mentioned in there. So what is that? Who's that speaking to? That speaks to the person who... who looks at themselves, they might, they go, wow, whether I was a eunuch by choice or because I was compelled out of slavery, I, I forsake idolatry and I want to worship the God of Abraham and Isaac Jacob. I, I love, uh, I love the true God. I believe in the scriptures, but yet here I am, Deuteronomy 23. What I guess I don't have any recourse. And I think Isaiah 50, did I say 54? I think 56 is encourage is a, is a prophetic message to encourage that person um, to not, not don't think to yourself. It says, let not them say to themselves, God's going to separate me right. because of this. We, we actually have a lot going on in the chat room. Um, <laughs> I hang, bet. I, hang, I, I, so Miguel says, uh, would that be the same as a Catholic priest committed to celibacy? No, because I think that uh, the, the Catholic priest says that they're not going to, um, not going to do something. So they what, vow. That's a vow. That's maybe? a vow. But but at the same time, a person who a, a eunuch actually uh, takes away even the ability to, even if they wanted to. I, I think it's a good it's good to com, to compare and contrast those because also the vow is an active voluntary, right? By definition, if it's compelled, it can't be a the the vow is not valid. It's no right. Whereas a eunuch could conceivably, I'm sure we could find a bunch of times in the ancient world where someone was castrated against their will and then because of their, their slavery. So um, 
Anyway, the, so, great, so great point. J- Jessica also asks, she said, would ritual uncleanness be considered sin in relation to proper temple practices? And she goes on and says, sin meaning unlawful. Uh, th- there's nothing sinful about being unclean. No, it's it's but the but the Torah gives the prescri- uh, the prescription. This is what you do. Right. When it happens. And if the person who neglects to do, right? Who disregards, that person their sin remains on them. That that's true for uh even touching a carcass of a of a it could be a, let's say it's a clean animal, but it di- but it dies. It's a nevela. It's a uh dies of by animal let's say lions come and tear up a, a cow and leave it and then i go touch the carcass okay there's i'm supposed to uh recognize at that point okay god's torah says that now i've contracted uh a temua an impurity and now the torah gives and if i don't know i could ask a, a priest or levite and i'll say okay this is what you do and then i go do it and then and then once evening you know until evening comes and then I'm then I'm clean. But it, now, but, but, but if it, I say, oh, I just oh, I don't believe in that, or that doesn't apply to me. That is the problem. Actually, so so uh, Andrew in the chat room, he makes a really good point: is that it it becomes sin if you try to enter the temple or enter the you know approach the altar. Yeah, and, and you're unclean. Right. Oh, That's yeah. when it becomes sin. But even the people who lived out in the diaspora, if you know, if you became unclean. You, there was, you know, corpse defilement or whatever. There was nothing right. you could do about it until you went to the temple. This and you, you weren't living in sin. This of where we are in the world today without a temple. And this right. is why it's right, you know, this is why Yeshua wept over Jerusalem, right? Right, right. I mean, uh, the idea of the temple being destroyed is, there's a lot of implications, but one of which is there is no uh, waters of, of nida or waters of, of purity. Right. Uh, and so... Technically, you know, even even the, you know, I know that apparently there's priests, you know, Kohanim who who somehow live life in a way that they don't contract uncleanness, which is Nonsense. which is weird. What kind of uh, legal loopholes you must have, uh, gymnastics you must be doing to try right. to obtain that? But uh, you know, pretty much everybody's defiled with corpse defilement these days. I mean, there's no you can't there's nowhere to go wash it off. You know, we don't have a way to wash off corpse defilement. So the Torah itself uh, says this is the case. So um, Helen asks at some point. But that's something we can't do anything about. At some point, Helen wants us to talk about, uh, she says, can we talk sometime on the idea of the mikvah for us as believers now? At some point, maybe we can, but I think that's a topic too large for the rest of our time. That's a great, great question. It is a great question. Maybe but we'll our, talk. Our only, I mean, the short, the short uh, headline version or the short answer is Yeshua's resurrection life is the only source of purity, and that the only way you participate in that purity is you have you yourself have to die to, like Paul says in the end of Galatians, I've been crucified to the world and the world right. to me. What does that mean? What does it mean when Paul says? In this flesh, there dwells no good thing in Romans 7. And the idea is, do we recognize the gravity of our depravity without Messiah? Right. And do we recognize that that not only needs to die, but it's, it's uh, uh, 
that we that it's a state of sin, right? It's it's the state of of humanity, and it's in Messiah's resurrected life that we participate in in, in a new creation, which is pure, holy, righteous, and all these things are because Yeshua. It it those are Yeshua's characteristics; those are his um, attributes that he shares with us, and and so. That's where the, the differentiation is. Now, how that fact, and that fact is now even before the judgment day, really, we're, we, we have a taste of that, how that will then map out with the new Jerusalem and Yeshua right. reigning from, from Jerusalem, that all is in the future in our present timeline. And I, you know, we can speculate and, and talk about the scriptures related to that. How will purity then take its physical form with, in terms of our body is still future, but um, but we do have a taste of, of that purity and holiness in Yeshua in as much as we are his. We belong to him, you know. Um, okay, so actually, uh, Drew uh, asked the question, how can we talk with our Christian brothers and sisters when they've not yet seen the truth being Torah? This is something we'll probably talk about next week because somebody else also asked essentially that same question. So maybe that's something we'll talk about next time. I'm sorry about all of the um, all of the technical difficulties that we had <clears throat> at the beginning of this show and uh, our apologies I'm gonna you know it's this is a learning thing for me as well it's uh, I think it's a lot more difficult to produce a <clears throat> a show like this than I had originally <laughs> expected um, and to make you know to make it look the way that we want it to of course it still doesn't look the way we want it to because uh, we continue to have these kind of uh, technical issues. So we're working on it. We're trying to get it all fixed and, and worked out. And hopefully next week we'll come back and we'll have everything uh, just the way we want it. Uh, don't forget to be a part of the conversation. Uh, you can, uh, let's see here, where am I? There we go. Uh, our comment line is 253-465-3205. I'll give it to you another time. It's 253-465-3205. You can also write us an email. Uh, email address is cheg, that's C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com, cheg at TorahResource.com. It's been a good time, a fun time, and we're always happy to come on the air and uh, chat with each other and have a listening audience. So uh, thanks for being a part of that, and we hope that you will join us next week as we come back and we talk about something that we hope will glorify our great God and Savior. Yeshua, the Messiah.